Hi everyone, welcome to Refugees on Air. We are your hosts, Sarah and Maya. And today we welcome our special guest, Tony. Tony, how are you? Good. Good? <laughs> Thanks, girls, for having me. No, no, no worries. worries. Yes, we were very excited to have you on the show. Yeah, we were very excited to have you. Okay, so why did you decide to come to Australia and how was your journey like? How would you describe it? My family left Vietnam in 1978. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by the time I got here, I was 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not like you have a choice. Yeah. You know, your parents don't ask you, do you want to go to another country forever <laughs> and ever and ever? And yeah. So they don't ever ask you that. They just say, they just, just say, come on, get on a boat, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, prior to that, um, people might know, there was this thing called the Vietnam War. Yeah. yeah. And uh, because of war, you're going to have winners and losers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah? exactly. We were part of the losing side, I suppose. Yeah. And mm. we got uh, treated as second-class citizens in our own country mm. because we were the losers, you know. Uh, my dad was a school teacher, and he was forced to be re-educated. Yeah. They put a lot of these people in, the, in a camp called re-education camp mm-hmm. or a concentration camp. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, he just didn't like the idea. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we were... Um, because my dad was not only a school teacher, he, all, he was also um, served in the army as well yeah. uh, as an interpreter for the American. And um, they considered that to be the enemies, you know. Yeah. And we were happen to be his children, so we are the children. Of the enemy. Great, see, there <laughs> you go. You guys got it. Um, and of course, if you were the children of the enemies, you are second-class citizens in your own country. country. It's a little bit like going to your school and um, if you... If the if you know the school that you went to is segregated based on your political alliance or whatever like that, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be that much fun, do you yeah. know. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. what happened. By the time I kind of made enough friends, I was already in Australia. So I, mm-hmm. I uh, started going, you know, doing grade four here in Australia. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like cutting a very long story short. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. okay. Let's move on to what you do as a well, everyday thing. How did you get into the film industry? Well, basically, being a refugee mm-hmm. and uh, coming to this country, um, we have to learn everything from scratch, yep. including mm-hmm. English, yep. trying to assimilate or integrate or whatever. Yep. To blend in, I guess. Yeah, try our best, but didn't work. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, My skin colour didn't turn white. Yep. I'm still the same skin colour that, that I was when I was leaving Vietnam. Yeah. So growing up was kind of quite challenging for me. My parents was um, often try to make us more Vietnamese because they were yeah. afraid we were too Anglicized too fast, mm-hmm. and we were trying to do the opposite. We were trying to integrate, yeah. <laughs> so that we don't stand out like a sore thumb, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that created a lot of problems, and eventually, you know, some things have to give in. And uh, basically, a lot of conflict between myself and my dad mainly. Mm-hmm. And eventually, uh, I kind of left home. You know, and prior to that, I was basically an oh yeah, and then and then, then I eventually got kicked out of school as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a couple of things happened around you know six, fifteen, sixteen. So yeah, you were around year ten as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I left home first, and then I went back home. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of take two. My mum set up a restaurant and she said, look, let's come back and why don't you come and work in the restaurant with me? Mm-hmm. Went back home. And then, you know, I enrolled into the local school there. Yeah, you know, I was just there to have fun. I didn't yeah. really care much about anything else apart from mm-hmm. having fun. Of course, school's not a place to have fun. It, you know, you can have a bit of fun, <laughs> yeah, but, but of not, not full-time fun. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. true. So eventually, 
you know, school decided we were not compatible. So that's why we have to depart, I suppose. And then, you know, I mean, through all that thing, um, there was a, f- a film, a mini series called The Sword of Honor. Mm-hmm. They were making about the Vietnam War. Yeah. And they were looking for he- extras. Yep. Yeah. Hundreds of them. Yep. And um, I was just happened to be one of those hundreds of people that rocked up. And I said, yeah, I'd like to have a role. A friend of mine was working for a Vietnamese paper at the time. He introduced me to the company, and I was one of the first person that they met. I spoke Mm -hmm. English, and then they decided they need someone who can speak both Vietnamese and English. Uh Then they gave me a job as a production assistant, you know. Wow. Getting paid as a, you know, know, to work with them and to liaise with the the, the rest of, you know, the millions of extras. So Mm -hmm. how how did you feel when you got that role? It was good. It was good. There was money. (laughs) <laughs> I need money, of you know. Course. It was great, and also yep. it's great to be, you know. I, I didn't, you know, when you when you're 16 and you got a job working for a film company, mm. it's amazing because we, we were getting paid like 500 bucks a week. That's like a dream come true. That was huge. That, was, that would be like that's equivalent to a million now or something like that. Oh my god! Yeah. And and also you get all the perks and you know you, you work with all the all the stars and you know what I mean. That's yeah. Really great, that's you know. So good. <laughs> and and it was it was a like a, a weird dream because you don't you, it doesn't look it was quite surreal because it was a big budget thing as well and you mm-hmm. know you're on a film set and did you know what I mean? it was yeah. just fantastic then then that's when I kind of realized that this is the kind of work that I want to hang out with. yeah mm. I think I feel the same way as in like doing just just doing media at school and directing like uh, mm. short films I feel like I'm really in my zone mm-hmm. that's why I would love to do this yeah. in the future as yeah, well. yeah exactly and and you know you you you, you know exactly what you want to do like yeah. by, the, by the time you're year nine year ten you should know already because you kind of like say this is this is where i feel kind of comfortable this is yeah. where i feel belong yeah and you you know you start focusing on your own little journey how to that's get true. there and how to make a career yeah. out of your passion yeah mm-hmm. and, and that's what i did i mean from from then onward i suppose now i also got a couple of you know like extras yeah, role extra role. in that mini series was apart from being production assistant. Yeah. So really that was good. kind of good fun, you know. I mean yeah. I mean I, I had like one minute on air or something like that. You <laughs> know? I, I play a part of a terrorist, a young terrorist planting this bomb and got oh, killed, okay. blown up and was a <laughs> bang. And it was good things I had there was a close up of me and my dead body, you know? Oh <laughs> yeah. There you, cool. <laughs> there you That'll go. That'll be cool on like your portfolio. <laughs> close you up of your dead body. I know, you know what I mean? And then mm. and then the, f- the following year I, I received a phone call from a, a theatre company called Hand Span, mm-hmm. and they were looking for an actor, yes. not an extra, you know, an actor. Yeah, an, actor. A, an actor. So there yeah. was only four parts. There yep. was a, it's kind of like a multicultural play thing about racism. And there was a, a Greek girl that got a part. Her name is Mary Kustis. You probably heard of her as Effie. There was a, a series called Acropolis Now on, yep. on sort of like a walks out of work kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yep. So I toured with Mary for a couple of years. Um, there was a, a Mary, another guy called Roberto Macaulay, he's mm-hmm. Italian actor, and then Sally Minster. So there was four of us. You know, okay. we were like a, a group of four. And how long did you tour together for? Two years. Two years? So I was on the road, you know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that was my real job, you know. Yeah. So at 17, I got a real job working oh, wow. you know, with a theatre company for two years. And that was huge. I didn't realise, you know, how big it is. Yeah. You actually have a two-year contract. That's mm. huge. And, you, you know, you got regular income. You were like rock stars, you know. You, we were staying in uh, pubs and motels and, you know, like different town all the time. Yeah. Mm. Seems wow. like something out of a movie, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was young. I was the youngest yeah. one. Yeah. I, I was the only one in the group who couldn't drive a car because I was only 17. They all sort of like uh, 
took turn driving this big van and our sets and everything. So we went, we did a touring show. We toured schools and festivals. Uh, is that what motivated you to study acting at um, RMIT as well? Y- yeah, well, yeah. You know, by the time I started acting after that, yeah. I realised how dumb I was. I said, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I, geez, I didn't realise. These these guys were serious, you know. They went to drama schools and, mm-hmm. and they did yeah. three or four years of mm, drumming. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am, I graduate from a mini-series and I got an extra part. And, you know, I mean, come on, you know, like when you get a real job, yeah. With real people when there's real responsibility mm. and you're getting paid. So, you know, you, you kind of like say, I want to do the best job I can do. Because, yeah. you know, your, your own pride and ego was at stake. Yeah. So it's so important that you do it properly because you'll yeah. never get a job again if you don't. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. And that's a really good motivation to make you realize it. Because, you know, all 16, 17 years old have big, huge egos anyway. Yeah. Because they, true. you know, they, they're very self centered and they think that, you know, the world revolves around them. Yeah. Mm. But that's not true. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so um, I basically um, started enrolling into a TV production at MIT just enough to learn about basic TV productions, like yep. filming and editing, the good old video thing today. You know, it's not like all digital now. Mm-hmm. I, I learned the, the, you know, the old traditional stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I have a good sense of behind the scenes stuff. Mm. I end up um, uh, getting a, a job in sound. It's kind of weird because you learn a lot of skills, yeah. but mm-hmm. I got a job doing in sound so I end up though I, I pick up a lot of sound skills yeah. working for a, sort of like a higher studio production company yeah. Yeah. I was looking for a couple of them so on the back of my mind I was I also wanted to study something else mm-hmm. it's like a fallback option Yeah. so I studied community development mm-hmm. okay. because I was really interested in working with community yeah. mm-hmm. and working with people I suppose my whole career path kind of evolve around a couple of things around the arts and around community it's kind of weird because I wouldn't know if you, if, you, if you asked me if I was 17 at the time and if you asked me do I know where I was going or how my life's going to be I've got no idea yeah. do you know but you know you, I think what you do is you just go with your heart and yeah. where, whatever makes you feel comfortable just do it yeah mm. And no, I totally agree with that. That, that. That's it. And eventually something will happen. Yeah. Mm. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. Is that why you started the Vietnamese youth media? Yeah, I started Vietnamese youth media after Handspan. I think I started that back in like 19-something, 1990 or something. A little bit before Romper Stomper. Romper Stomper came out in 1992. 90, so. 91 we, we shot 91, it. 92 yeah. it came out. Yeah. But it was a little bit before that. I was interested in, because you know with um, filmmaking and theatre making, you actually need people. Yeah, you do. So the only way that you get people is, is you set up a group yeah. and based in an art centre and say, you know, this is what I'm doing, I've done this all my life, I want to set up this group. And yeah. So there's a lot of kids want to hang out with me because of that. We were just mucking around, having fun, but mm. we're doing it in a kind of like using theatre as a medium. So that was a that was a starting point, was because I need to find people to yeah, work yeah. with. So, uh, you know, I want to set up my own group at the Footscray Community Art Centre. So mm. that was the beginning. And then suddenly Romper Stomper come along as mm. well. And I was kind of like the leader at this Vietnamese youth theatre. And then suddenly this thing, I become like a gang leader. It's kind of yeah. Really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what made you want to be involved in a movie like Romper Stomper? Money. Money. <laughs> like all actors, you know, you get a job, you get paid because of money or yeah. you get paid because it's a good script or you, you get paid because you like the character or yeah. all the people who's doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of different reason why you okay. do something yeah you, know, you don't yeah. do something just because money yeah of course. um you, you do something because you think it's a great script sometimes it can be a really bad script mm. but people love it <laughs> 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 who knows it's kind of weird you know, know. Yeah. you never know these days yeah no but sometimes you know you might have a very deep and meaningful script that no one want to watch or no one to know 
now because you're just like, no, no, too much to think. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you go out to the cinema and you, you watch what young people watch these days, they're not kind of deeply meaningful stuff. No, There's I just kind of agree. light-hearted, mm. yeah. romantic comedy. Yes. You know, oh. you know boy, boy, and lo- boy, girl, fall in love, have a bit of a laugh High along school, the way. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. That's all it is. But, you know, I mean, maybe because there's so much pressure mm-hmm. in life, in society, yeah. that people just want to laugh. I agree you with know that. Yeah. Uh, but as an artist, it's a different story. You're going to be torn between two things. Money, because you need them, <laughs> bread and butter, and also your passion. It kind of like why you're doing it. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know the other things, the deep and meaningful. I suppose arts as a medium, as a language, it's like radio or film or music. They all have kind of different language. Mm. Yes. I and and they, they connect to different senses in your body. Yeah. Yep. You know, radio is when you just want to lay there and you just want to listen. You don't want to see things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just want to close your eyes and you want to hear things. Yep. Sometimes you, you love to hear and you love to see and you love to feel as well. Mm-hmm. So there are different times, you know, the human needs that you need different things. Yeah. So so the same thing. So you balance the two things. You do film because you love it, because you think it's important, mm-hmm. because it means yeah. something, or you do it because you have to, you know, get paid. So I've done both, you know. I, mean, mm-hmm. I did soapies and all that <laughs> as well, you know. I was mm. in three episodes of Paradise Beach, um, <laughs> you know, up in Queensland. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, and then as you go further along the way, mm-hmm. you know, you make different kind of choices. Mm-hmm. You know, like my focus at the moment is kind of very different to where I was mm-hmm. um, many years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I kind of balancing my life a little bit between here and Vietnam. So during the school holiday, that's when I'm kind of don't get a job here because I'm, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm only uh, working as a, an emergency teacher. So that allows me to go away during the holiday. And yeah. I, if I choose to stay there a bit longer, it's okay too. Mm-hmm. I don't have to come back here. <laughs> you know, but like right now, uh, most of the schools quieten down a bit because uh, once the VC kids they finish the exam, they're yeah. gone. So a lot of teachers are, um, especially the senior teachers, mm-hmm. they can take over doing yeah. um, replacement stuff yeah. for the for the junior one. So that's why we're kind of not needed. Yeah, <laughs> but that's where I kind of plan my overseas project. Yeah. So mm. yeah, that's how you balance it out. Yeah, between yeah. Work. Do you think that making movies that portray the positive sides of accepting refugees? will have an impact on the audience's opinion or even persuade countries to accept more refugees. You see, I wrote somewhere recently and I said that we are all refugees or migrants at one stage or another in our life. Yep. Now, people don't realise that. Um, you move, you know, we migrate. Yep. We go from the city to the country, the country to the city because of our choices of lifestyle. You know, in Australia, we migrate. You know, people in the country have to come to the city for a job, mm-hmm. you know. or uh, And then suddenly, once you, you're at a certain age, you want to go back into the country. Yep. You have a, a relaxing lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> we might call it sea change or tree change or whatever like that. We do that. We move around for employment. We move around for education. We move around for so many different reasons. A human need to move. Yeah, that's true. Do you know? That's yeah. a, that's the first thing we have to yeah. realise. The second thing is we move for survival. Yeah. We move because of natural disaster. Um, you know, tsunamis and earthquake. We've got to move. Yeah. We move because of war. Mm-hmm. This human conflict. Yeah. We've got to move. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of reasons why we need to move. Where we move to... The people there might not like it. That's their business. Yeah. I mean, I will move. You know, even if there's like, if there was borders and boundaries and machine guns, I'll still move. If there was a chance of a better life, I'll move. Mm-hmm. I would not ask people whether I can move there or not. If I have wives and kids, I would make that huge sacrifice between life and death. Then I will do that. So it's not like a movement. Human movement is not like a choice. It's a necessity. It's a survival instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, as a mother, as a father, as a son, you will do it for your family. Yep. 
people don't like to move. I don't think they love to move. I don't, I don't think anyone. So. Did I like to move? No, I wouldn't. I don't like to move. But do I have a choice? Said no. We've got to be realistic about that. That whether we like it or not, uh, people will move. Yeah. What are the choices that we have, say, as Australians, to stop people from moving? Is to assist them so that they can stay in their own country. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. going to help in a way to maybe uh, minimize the chance of conflict mm-hmm. in their own country. Yeah. We don't take over their jobs. You know, if we take over their jobs, they'll move from their country to come to our yeah. country. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean? they're, they're the kind of like obvious stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, a lot of, it's about being fair because yeah. remember the world is round. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can't live in one spot, you have to go to another spot. Mm-hmm. It's like in Melbourne, you can't live in one spot, you move to another spot. You can't live in one, one part of the world, you will move to a different part of the world. Yeah. And that's got nothing to do with who would like you to go. And you don't ask anyone's permission for that. It no, doesn't really right. matter. Yeah. Do you know? Why did you know why people moved to Australia in the first place? Because England was too small. Do you know that was yeah, that was that was the truth. It. You've got to realise. I mean, did we ask the Aborigines can we move here? No, no we no. didn't. We pretend that they didn't exist. We declare there was no one here. Yeah. Until Eddie Mabo said no. We were here before you. That's right. And the High Court did rule that, and that's why they have the, you know, marble, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the Mabo. So the, this whole thing about migrants and refugees is kind of debated at all. It was sort of like, should we allow people to move? Should we accept? What do you mean, should we? Who are we? No. What right have we got? Do we own this land, this no, country? We, we think we do, but we don't. We you don't. know, what about the traditional owners? I mean, have we asked them? We didn't even ask them whether we can come here in the first place. Mm-hmm. And now we're, just because there's more of us than them, there's mm-hmm. more migrants than the indigenous population. You think they've got, like, the power Yeah. Because what, there's only one million Aborigines. Just because they are outnumbered, does that mean we can we have a right to make decision on their behalf? Mm-hmm. If we don't ask Aborigines, then we don't have any right. Yeah, you, you know, of course we have laws and all that, yep. but yeah, so what? You know, you can, you can make as much law as you like. That's not going to stop people from leaving their country just because they need to leave the country and to, to find a better way of life. I mean, we do that. So why, why shouldn't they? Or why couldn't they? If we yeah. want a better life for ourselves, why can't they have a better life? We're all the same pretty exactly. much. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is kind of similar to what, like what you explained, but what messages do you think are important to get across in relation to issues that immigrants and refugees face these days? I think we just need to be honest and realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to stop our ego from flying too high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got to stop pretending that we are a greater being than other people. We, we've got to stop pretending that our lives are more important than theirs. Yep. You know, I mean, if all human lives are equal, if we have a right to survive and exist and, you know, have food to eat and have shelter and have those kind of basic, you know, human needs, then other people have that rights as well. Just because they couldn't get that right in in one part of the world, what's going to stop them from finding another lifestyle, another another place to live in another part of the world? I don't think they're actually making kind of those decisions lightly. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very tough decision. I was going to ask you a question about... Go for it. Rumpa Stomper, do you think that the movie subtly portrays real-life situations that Asian immigrants face? Movies are movie. Movies, so someone's imagination. You so know? from someone's perspective? Kind no, of no, it's just an imagination. Okay, yeah. You know, everyone's have a right for an, uh, an imagination. Mm. You know, I mean, it's a little bit like saying Harry Potter. If you start <laughs> to believe in Harry Potter, you're in trouble, do you know? Yeah. So I think a lot of people are in trouble then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, this is the thing for me, um, and, and I can talk about my part in terms of, like, making my own work. Mm. I love making controversial stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, it's hard to make controversial stuff. Mm. I'll tell you why Rompostomba was a, a very important film. Yeah. It's not because whether it's real or... It, it was one of those controversial films. Yep. It mm. can be seen as this way or the other way. Yep. Why is it important? Is because that movie cost $1.6 million to yep. make and it actually returned three times. So from an investment point of view, it didn't lose any money. Yep. But it was like as a, a government invest film, you know, the, the federal government put in $1 million and I think the state government put in about 600000 And for the government to put in that kind of money into a controversial film, it, it, it is actually quite rare. Mm-hmm. Government usually um, don't want to put money into kind of rare, yep. controversial movies. Yeah. But the thing about Rompostoma, it actually pushed boundaries into yep. the sort of movie that government will invest in. Uh-huh. Now, if they didn't invest in movies like Rompostoma, other movies like Priscilla would never got up. Mm-hmm. You know, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert would never yep. got up. That kind of movie would never go. Do you know? Yep. So, so that's why Rompostoma become quite a, a, an iconic film for many reasons mm-hmm. because it pushed many boundaries. So, number one. It launched Russell Crowe's career and turned yep. him into an A-grade Hollywood actor. But even as he's not really Australian, he's New Zealand. Yep. But we still claim he's uh, one of ours, you know. Yep. Mm. That was a great export, you know, yeah. apart from Nicole Kidman and Mel Gibson. Yeah. And for a country that is like, uh, you know, 24 million people, people. Mm-hmm. and we're just kind of like um, pretty much outrun Hollywood, you know. Yep. So there, was so many, there are so many Australian actors now in Hollywood. That's incredible. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm. And so that say a lot about our film industry, about our training, you know, yep. our actors training, our film trainings and all kind of those things and government investments and all that. Yep. So from that point of view, it's so important because that's what roles of governments are, yep. to create opportunities. And yep. I think they did that incredibly, uh, you know, incredibly well. If it's going to that kind of race issue, then, you know, it's kind of debatable. You know, I'm, I'm not going into that. Pros and cons and good. Because yep. that's great for film critics and yep. people, audience members to come and watch it and then debate over coffee. Yeah. Isn't it fantastic. You know, if you guys made a play and if people were just like, you got you got half your audience love it and the other half hate it and they, they end up debating about, don't you love it? And you just kind yeah. of say, yeah, go, go, go for it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes. That is the kind of work that I would do. I love to do that kind of like, I wouldn't want to do the kind of work where people, everyone say, love it, fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you get too much praise, you get, you feel bored. You know, say, yes, oh, I agree with bored. that. You like people to debate. You, mm. you know, you love people who love it and hate it. Yeah. Equal numbers. Yeah. And they fight over your work. <laughs> yeah. And you just sit there and you just say, that's great. Mm. And you love it. I think as, as artists, that's what you aspire to do. Yep. You kind of want to make that kind of work. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do as well. I kind of make that kind of work. My work can be controversial. I like to do that kind of thing. I like to do work where people think yes. and debate. If you make a type of work where people really hate it, you're in trouble. If you, if you make the sort of work where people really love it, then you're also in trouble. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, I agree with that. You, because that, that's almost like you're just like, uh, you know, preaching to the converters or, well, you're not really challenging anything. Yes, anyone. that's true. Because, true. because if you can make a film... They should be challenging. Yeah, you know, like if, if you can make a film about race, you can make people who are really racist stop and think about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, you know what yeah. I mean? Or if you make a film about one thing, and then people would just look at it and start to think about something. You already achieved something. Yes, mm. I, I agree yeah, with that. So yeah, that, so that's what, to me, that's the power of the arts. Mm. Yes. Whatever medium that you use, whether kind of radio, TV, film, do a painting or a book or do a rap song, mm. whatever language, whatever genre, whatever methods or medium that you can reach people and connect with people and challenge them and provoke them, you know, or whatever, then that's it. You've done your job. What advice do you have for future actors or people who want to get involved in acting? 
only advice I can give to anybody and everybody who's kind of young, yep. I just think don't be afraid, you know, just and don't be afraid to go on your own journey, mm-hmm. find your own path and, and just mm-hmm. stick with it, you know. Yep. And you'll be surprised where your dream's going to take you, yeah. you know, and, and turn your passion into a career. Because, you know, the famous Dalai Lama said something. He said that people sacrifice their health to make money. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they have to use their money to buy back their health. Yeah. So very, very crazy. But we shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. You know, I think you, you should try to enjoy every moment in your life. If you're young, enjoy being young and crazy and yep. ignorance yeah. and being silly. <laughs> and yep. it's fun. Because one day when you're an adult, you can't do that. Yep. You're not allowed to be silly and ignorant. And you have to be mature and proper and everything. So yes, when you're when, when you're kind of young, you can do those sort of things. You're allowed to kind of say silly things and do silly things if you have to. And and that's about it. You know, just just live out whatever your dreams and hopes are, and, and don't be a clone. Don't follow the crowd. Exactly. You know, don't be part of the sheep. Yes. Well, thank you so so much, Tony, for coming in today. We're so happy that you're here, and we've heard some inspirational, wonderful things from you. Yeah. And I just I feel like I've been, you know, even <laughs> just like changed detox, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, thanks, girls, for having me. No, no worries. worries. Thank you so much.